In this episode, I'm speaking with some of London's top technology leaders about Elon Musk's new AI chatbot, the man who accidentally threw away 227 million in Bitcoin, Amazon's new one-hour drone delivery, the rise of AI profile pictures, and the exciting news surrounding GTA 6. Welcome back to the podcast. The Alfie Wattam Podcast. Okay, so starting off with Mr. Musk. Elon Musk has launched an AI chat GPT rival. The former co-founder of OpenAI has released Grok, an AI chatbot under his new XAI company. Gentlemen, interesting <laughs> news in the world of AI. Um, why don't we start with you yourself, Nick? What's your just general impressions of, of Elon you know, launching a, a chat GPT competitor? It's very interesting, uh, given his uh, very strong stance and his exit from OpenAI and his very vocal stance around how AI should be controlled and, and should be highly regulated and monitored and his general resistance to it. So I, I found it very interesting to see him, him come up with this announcement. But hey, it's Elon. So I think at this point, everyone's just waiting their breaths and watching how this will go. Yeah. Uh, we had high hopes with his acquisition of Twitter, which has unfolded in a very interesting and a unique way. Um, I would love to see how Grok differentiates itself from, from the established players in the market. Now, Elon is saying Grok has a personality, I think that'll be super cool, but is that going to be enough for Grok to stand on? Uh, and that's yeah. what I'd love to see. Yeah, I agree about the personality side. Um, I thought that something was really interesting. Sam Altman tweeted a picture of one of the new GPT Turbo um, personalities where it's just like imitated Grok. So it, like, <laughs> you know, he's, like, he's like made oh, so, you yeah. know, that product part of, uh, part of his existing suite, right? Um, but yeah, it's, it's got Elon's kind of personality. It's a bit quirky, it's a bit, bit different. And it's definitely enough to make it stand out you know, on the, on the marketplace and go, oh, this is, this is not just a, like, like Bard, just like another, you know, clone of, of, of GPT. But um, what's your take, James, when you, when you see what Elon's doing here? Um, first thing I say is that I think it's good that there is another competitor in the AI space, right? Like in the LLM space, ChatGPT, as far as I can see, and OpenAI are so far ahead of the competition. Yeah. Um, so to have something out there that is at least trying to get you know, some market share. I think it's, it is different, right? Like, oh, yeah, point, yeah. Nick, like the personalities there, super sarcastic. I quite like it. It feels a bit um, kind of meme -y rather than a serious tool. Uh, uh, and that's from someone who uses OpenAI hours per day. Yeah. It's like, okay, would I, like, would I actually use this over that? But equally, it's got the differentiator of having uh, access to live Twitter data or yes. X data, yes. right? Yeah. Which is one of the main mm. problems with um, ChatGPT right now, and I know they've put in browsing and stuff like that, but the fact that it's it's pulling from that, I think they gave it uh, an example of um, SBF's trial and kind of okay. summarizing that from like literally the day it happened on X. Yeah, and it was pretty accurate. It hallucinated a couple of things, like it got like the amount of like trial hours wrong and things like that. But mm. generally, it was a pretty fair summary. So that's a powerful tool, right? If you yeah. if you if you're looking to kind of summarize current events like that, that's a pretty good differentiator. So yeah. my opinion is that it's great. Um, I think needs some more work, um, but sure. like a great innovation. So a lot of people are saying it might be too late for Elon because OpenAI have collected so much data and, mm -hmm. and, and they're using that to, 
you know, uh, create really accurate answers. Obviously, the hallucination is, is still there. Um, what you, interesting point around live access to, to X, that might be a bit of a USP, but essentially the more data an AI company has, the, the, the better yeah. it is really. And GPT has got so much with, you know, with Dali and, and, and Whisper and, and so many other products and features, which, you know, XAI just, just doesn't have yet, yeah. right? Um, and also the team. XAI has got a very, very small, super talented team, but OpenAI has got a much, you know, much bigger army to, to, to play with. Sure. Um, if we had to make almost guesstimates here, you know, who, who's going to win the, the AI war? Uh, you know, is it going to be Bard with Google? Is it going to be, which is surprising. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, surprised Sundar Pichai didn't really kill it with, with, with AI, really, but it's a separate topic. But um, could it be Google? Could it be Microsoft? Could it be Elon? Could it be, you know, a marketplace where we have a couple of winners, at, you know, in, in a few years from now? Or is it going to be more like a Google, you know, dominating search situation? And then you've got like Bing and, uh, you know, a few others in the background. If we had to just make random guesses here, what what, what are we thinking? You know, who's going to come out on, on top? What, what, what would you say, James? Um, I think currently of the big tech, Microsoft are killing it. I put a tweet out actually saying this is that... Um, Microsoft is so far ahead with their acquisitions in so many different fields, but particularly with OpenAI, right? I think they have a 49% stake, as far as I remember. Um, I do think OpenAI are pretty far ahead for the kind of short to medium term. So in terms of who's going to dominate, I would say OpenAI will dominate this. And by extension, Microsoft thinks they have such a large share in that organization. Yeah. I think like Google and... Um, uh, the others, or, and, and X, I suppose, as well, like they are trying, but Google's historic downfall, as far as I can see, is that like they they invented like a lot of the technologies that power these LLMs, yeah, and yeah. like they put the research out, but they haven't capitalized on it at all. And like other companies have come in and in a very short time period actually built a kind of market product. So um, I don't see them catching up unless they have like a product that is you know, really one-up something else or really differentiates itself. Bard is is just not as good as, I'd probably say, either Grok or OpenAI. Mm. That's, yeah, that's my opinion. Well, what's your take, Nick? I, I, I would agree with James, but I think for different reasons. Uh, OpenAI has Microsoft as its solid partner, and Microsoft knows enterprises. Yeah. If there's one company that knows enterprises that does enterprises very well, it's Microsoft oh, yeah. on this yeah, planet, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and Microsoft, all credit, credit to them, they moved very, very fast. Uh, when ChatGPT was announced, they made the right number of investments, acquisitions, and the speed, the speed with which a company at the scale of Microsoft has moved to integrate OpenAI and GenAI in their products, whether it's Azure, whether it's Windows Copilot, whether it's Office, whether it's um, their GitHub acquisition, GitHub Copilot, I think that speed has been breathtakingly phenomenal. And just by the sheer virtue of them knowing the enterprise space so well, and the speed with which they have executed this, and just the strategy which with, uh, with which they have executed this, I think they, they, they definitely have a much far, further step ahead than anyone else in this space. Yeah. Now I know Google is trying and, and so is Musk uh, with, with Croc, but is that enough? Is that good enough? Are they too late to the party? I guess we will know in future. But equally, I think it also comes down to how you define the victor here. I mean. Who is the victor? Is that someone with the most number of active users or most number of hours per day? Um, I think that will also be interesting because while Microsoft can do a lot of enterprises, I think one person who can do um, viral um, stuff better is Musk. So mm -hmm. Musk can get Croc in the hands of a far greater number of people 
then Microsoft can get ChatGPT in your hands off. Yeah. So yeah. I think it depends on the metric you will you will use to define a victor. But certainly from a commercial enterprise point of view, I think Microsoft and Uponia have a very good lead. Yeah. I mean, really interesting point around Musk because if they just give access, like Grok access to ex-users as an add-on, then instantly you've got hundreds of millions of people you know, using it. And imagine writing a, a tweet or a post or whatever it's called now, and then there's, there's features where you can click a button and, and have you know, an AI image created or an AI video or even the tweets written by AI. You know? There's so many functionalities that, that could happen here. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Hey, this podcast is brought to you by weloveAlpha.com. If you're looking to grow and hire and scale your software engineering team in the UK, then go to weloveAlpha.com to hire the best software developers on the market. Everything across Java to C Sharp to PHP to Python to React and Angular and mobile and more. Go to weloveAlpha.com to hire the best software engineers in the UK now. Um, before we had the AI hype, I guess. The, the previous hype was all around crypto and blockchain, and that yeah. leads us into our, yeah. our next story. So um, can AI find lost 227 million Bitcoin fortune? So a man who lost hundreds of millions on a accidentally binned hard drive is now trying to use AI to find it, but the council will not let him. Typical council. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who needs money? Yeah, yeah. Um, just to give a little bit more context here. So the individual lost um, the hard drive um, and he's used AI to calculate roughly where it would be, I guess in, in the land film, in the, in, the, in the skip or whatever. Um, and he's offered to give a percentage of the money to the council if they're able to just, you know, let him in for a couple of days and dig it all up. And he believes that it's, it's there. I mean, that might be hopium, it might, it might be destroyed. So, I mean, who knows? But I can't imagine losing hundreds of millions in, in, in crypto. I'd, you know, yeah. I've, I've got, you know, a bit of crypto, certainly not hundreds of millions, <laughs> but um, yeah, terrible situation. I, I feel for, for, for the guy, which this camera's on me, right? I, I feel for you, my friends, like empathy, gratitude. I, I, I hope you're okay. But um, if you want to come on the pod and talk about it, then, then let's go for it. But um, what, what, what are your takes on this, chaps? What, what, what do you think, Nick? Uh, well, I, I'm speechless on this yeah. and, on, on one side, yeah. Empathy with you, mate. Um, very sorry to see you in this situation, but also, how did you put yourself in this situation? Yeah, yeah. How do you lose a hard how drive? Did, how can you lose 100 million? Two, two, 227 million, is it? million, currently. I mean, it's you know, yeah. up and down, right? But, yeah. yeah. And, and equally, though, I think uh, I, I, would, I would be cautious here in what I say, but it seems a little bit far-fetched. Mm. Um, and, and there's just, while I can imagine how you, you might use AI for special mapping of the landfill and patterns of dump, dumping into the usage and, and try to predict where the, where the location of the hard drive is, it is a hard drive, it's magnetic material. And landfill is full of stuff that is kryptonite to magnetic material. Is this even worth the chase? Assuming you find the hard drive, have you done any probabilistic calculations on how, how sure or confident you are that it is still usable? Um, it's been there for decades. Right, but a decade I, or so. I, I don't know how long it's been there for, but even if it was just there for a year, that the rain, everything that happens, and all the other stuff getting mixed in there, I mean, surely it's been destroyed. Surely, surely. surely. Yeah, but I feel for you. Yeah. What do you think? Are you, is he an idiot, um, or is uh, he? Or are you, are you, are you? I, I, I don't think he's an idiot. I, 
I cast my mind back to when Bitcoin and crypto were starting and like we it's easy to forget because of the ecosystem now what it was actually like to hold Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies back then you 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 typically had to have a physical device wallet so like a hard drive like a, like a USB something like that right because I tried to buy some and I was like this is when I was you know 14 I was like this is complicated I'm not going to do this <laughs> yeah. so I can actually I can I empathize with the guy because I can see how you would make a, a, a physical wallet and then lose that, right? Um, I think like the, the headlines grab because it's like 227 million, but it's, it's equally like if the guy had access to that crypto, he probably would have sold it by now. So it's like, like it's, it's a double-edged sword because he it's only worth 227 million probably because he didn't have access to it mm, mm. um so it's that's kind of something to consider in that's terms a good of, point yeah that's, in, that's a good in, point in terms of like how likely it is that he's actually gonna get access to this i think really unlikely to be honest yeah. um uh, you know he's done it's hard to say without the context of his own calculations um i would say a hard drive is pretty volatile right you know i've built PCs for years for all sorts of purposes and like hard drives go wrong like having being sat inside a computer <laughs> right and they can so the fact that it's buried under landfill is my hopes are low but equally I do I respect the hustle on this one I think like you know there is potentially a 227 million fortune there it's a bit like a kind of pirate treasure hunt yeah um I wouldn't be the one doing it um, in Would terms you of... let it slide? Like if it because like yeah. for me, this could consume your life, yeah. and you would think about nothing else yeah. other than the fact that on paper I'm worth hundreds of millions. Yet yeah. I'm working sixty hours a week doing a, a normal job sure. and getting paid forty k a year or something, right? Like, mm. like could, if this was you, yeah. Would you could you mentally let this go, or would it ruin your life? Basically, what, what, what do you what do you chaps think? Yeah, that's an interesting one. But also, you know, I, I just want to go back to your old point. I think there's also learning for us as a country here. If this was America, we would not be having this conversation. They would have already dug it out. You think so? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is this is us here sitting saying, the council is not letting me dig through a pile of rubbish to get to 27 million pounds. Imagine having that conversation in America. Mm. This would have been over with, right? Now, I think as a country, we need to learn to, to at least take, as we would say in Amazon, it's a two-way door decision, Yeah. right? Dig it up, either you find it or you won't. Schrodinger's cat, you've solved the problem. Why are we sitting and talking about it? Just get on with it, yeah, right? Yeah. And whatever environmental concerns you have, uh, they're all valid. Let's find a way to solve them. Let's not talk about the problem. Let's go to the solution. Mm. And, and I would actually go and say, find a way to dig it and, and answer the question. But to go back to your, uh, your, your question, um, Alfie, yeah, this will, I guess, initially it will consume me. <laughs> because it's not a small amount of money. But equally, I think um, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably be pushing and pushing and pushing until I, I, I get to the dig yeah. myself. Yeah, I, I think I would, yeah, the, the point where I give up would be when I get arrested for breaking in in the middle of the yeah. night and then yeah. digging myself yeah. with a shovel. At that point, I'd probably call it a day, but then, um, you know, try and put it into a different coin or something. But what, what would you do? I'm glad it's not me, yeah. if it, but if it were me, um, I, I think I'm a fairly stubborn bloke, so I probably I would probably yeah. be like you, Nick, and I would I would not stop until yeah. I had some some movement on this. I think, but equally though, if this guy's investing his own cash into this, uh, I think that's a really dangerous path, right? Like mm. somebody 
in his friends or his family needs to be like, okay, at what point, don't get gambler's fallacy on this one. Like, yeah. you know, call it quits when, you know, it, it is time. So yeah. I'm glad it's not me because <laughs> it would consume me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I, I feel you. Hey, really quick video just to give you a free subscription to Coda magazine. Coda is the number one publication for all the latest tech news expert insights and exclusive industry interviews. With Coda, you get the inside scoop on what's happening with Elon Musk, with Bill Gates, with Jeff Bezos, with Mark Zuckerberg, and so much more. So if you work in the technology industry, then I'd highly recommend that you give Coda a read today. Just scan the QR code on the screen for free access now, or go to welovealpha.com forward slash magazine to get your free subscription today. Um, you mentioned Amazon a second ago, Nick, where yeah. we, you used to work, right? And um, that leads us to our next story, really, because Amazon have planned a one-hour drone delivery. We've talked about this on the pod a couple of times over the years, but now it's starting to really happen. So the online retail giant will launch the concept in the United States Kingdom at the end of 2024. Um, and, you know, currently Amazon are, are great because you can, you know, you've got Prime, you click a button and then boom, the next day it's there or even the same day in, in many situations. But imagine one hour. Imagine like, that'd be, that'd be amazing, you know, yeah. clicking a button and then an hour, not just for like the, the convenience of having toilet paper or, or food or whatever. Imagine like medical supplies or, yeah. you know, there's so many use cases here where this could benefit society. What are your, what are your takes on this? Um, you were kind of involved. I don't know how much you yeah. can say, Nick, but um, give us your perspective as, as a former insider. So Amazon, uh, everything we do at Amazon, uh, we used to do at Amazon. I moved out of Amazon about two years ago. Uh, customer obsession is the heart and soul of everything that Amazon does, right? Everything in every initiative is planned first and foremost for the customers. So just as you said, Alfie, I think there's just so much goodness here. Medical supplies, things you need at the last minute, it's, it's amazing what Amazon is trying to do. And I don't know how much uh, people have read about the articles yet, but Amazon is doing that in, in US already, I believe okay. at least yeah, in two yeah. cities. Yeah. And they're launching in UK. Now, uh, I was a part of this pilot program back when I was at Amazon and my uh, part of my house was used for with the drones to map uh, the algorithms which the drones would use to find the right spots for drops. So I've been a part of this program. I think, I think it's fairly interesting, fairly exciting, lots of goodness for customers. Equally though, uh, just back on the topic of what we were discussing, uh, you know, how viable would it be given the laws in the United Kingdom and how practical would this be for Amazon to pull it off? I think that's something interesting we would watch. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as the customer value proposition of this initiative goes, I think it's, it's, it's a game changer. Yeah. It's a game changer. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have even a bigger impact than, than Prime did really, you know, in terms of the, the benefit this could bring the customers. And you're right, customer obsession is what Jeff Bezos cares about. That and the, the cowboy hat. I don't know if you've seen this meme that's going around. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we'll, show, we'll show a picture of that on the screen right now. But <laughs> It's triggered um, something in you in that, that cowboy hat. I don't know, I, I, I love it. It's triggered something like, in like you. like billionaire jacked cowboy, you know, perfect. Um, we talked about drones on when you were last on the yeah. podcast. Um, what's your take on, on this story, uh, James? I think it's great. Um, I think it, it shows per next comments, the, the innovation that Amazon still has, the obsession to always get better, right? They already have like the most advanced logistics fleet, yeah. probably globally. Um, so the fact that they're continuing to innovate and not just say, okay, we'll just rake in the cash and to, to improve is, um, you know, it, 
incredibly impressive and you know shows that actually the, the people there and Bezos himself are like that obsessed right in terms of what it means from a customer so obviously I buy loads of stuff from Amazon yeah. um, what's the frustrations with Amazon like generally it's there next day so how does how does the one hour thing affect it I think great right so yeah. if you get stuff in your hands faster if I if I want something and I can and it's like you know being able to walk to the shop and get it brilliant in terms of like what the actual kind of aerial drone delivery method means, I think like if you think about one of the most core frustrations of um, you know, van delivery, it's mm. like, okay, I'm not in, they put it somewhere weird. Like you're, you're basically reliant on the, the driver to make that final decision point. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing it via drone, it's, you're automating that. You're, you're creating yeah. an algorithm, you're saying, okay, actually we can decide where the best spot is or you can say where the best spot is in your house and the drone will respect that. That's, that's taking like a core frustration of the customer journey and making it better. So personally, I think this is fantastic, yeah. like a great innovation. If it can actually scale, wonderful. Um, I don't know too much about the laws and the regulations in the UK that prohibit this. I know they are, I've seen the US ones per, per what Nick said, they are really loud. And obviously yeah, really loud. the UK is a much more dense country than um, the US is in general. Um, so I think that's a concern. So, you know, how would they manage, you know, the fact that you can't even, like Heathrow can't land flights after whatever it is, 11 p.m. Yeah, sure, <laughs> so, sure, how, sure. you know, if yeah. that's, and that's their, you know, thousands of feet up. So if a drone's really loud, how are they going to manage that? How are they going to do timings? Yeah. Questions, but I'm sure stuff that could be resolved. I yeah. have an interesting story about that Heathrow and the flight thing. Oh, yeah? Right, yeah. Okay. Oh, so when, when I was very new to UK, uh, I hadn't moved in here yet. I was visiting on a work trip. Uh, and, and my flight was, uh, I think, six, half six, seven a.m. in the morning. So my wife and decided, well, we'll check out the night before and we'll just spend the night at Heathrow shopping. So we, we came to Heathrow about half 11, quarter 12, only to be told that Heathrow shuts down at night. Yeah. <laughs> right? So here we are yeah, with our yeah, luggage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. standing outside Heathrow no. going, what the hell? And this was winters. So we spent the night on the pavement outside Heathrow. No. Till about five, sure. half five, and Heathrow actually opens and they let you in. I'm sure your wife loved you, mate. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. We, we both said, never again. We're not coming back to UK ever again. And yeah. here we are. And here we are so in London. We yeah. spent the whole night there sitting outside Heathrow in pouring rain yeah. without leg saying, oh no. Never expecting a, uh, an airport like Heathrow to be shut down in the night. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is crazy. Like Heathrow. Um, just like modeling that for London, it, I, I see this being a lot harder to do in, in, uh, yeah. in London with That's all the point, you know, skyscrapers yeah. as opposed to, you know, I'm, I'm from York, right? Very, yep. You know, rural area, your, your CEO Joe is from Yorkshire as well. Yeah. You know, this would work great there, right? Yeah. Um, this would be a challenge in, in, in London. Um, I think the obsession with getting stuff to the customer and getting the best experience possible is what Jeff really built the, the, the company on. I, I remember watching an interview with him a few years back where he said, look, at Amazon, there's only three things that we really, really care about. You know, quality, speed, and price. Quality, you know, really great products and having a great selection. People are always going to want, you know, great products and a selection of them. Mm -hmm. You know, speed, people are always going to want products delivered faster. Yeah. You're never going to have somebody say, oh, I wish it took an extra day or two for it, for it no. to arrive, right? And price, people always want, you know, low cost and, and you don't want to pay more for something if you can get it cheaper, right? So, you know, this is really just a an extension of, of the speed value that, that, that Amazon has, right? Um, what, what would you say to that, that Nick? Because you actually spent a couple of years working there, right? So Yeah, I was there for a good four and a half years or so. And uh, everything you said is true, Alfie. Amazon is built on customer obsession. 
And honestly, you, you can't do an initiative there which does not give value back to customers. Mm. And I can't go into details, but I've actually run programs and initiatives myself where we actually return money to customers, mm. voluntarily, willingly, without customers knowing this themselves. So Amazon, everything that Amazon does, customer obsession is the heart, soul of it. Um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I love and I miss working at Amazon because of this uh, some days. So I'm, I'm absolutely certain that this initiative has been thought first and foremost from the lens of customers. And this will be a hugely interesting thing for customers to have. Now, yes, the, the problems in London are true. I think the way they are planning for this to work in UK is, to your point, James, you, you get, as a customer, you have a QR code. Okay. You put okay. that QR code where you want the drone to mm. drop the delivery, and the drone will come, scan for that QR code, and drop the delivery there. Yeah. Now, how you would scale this to blocks of flats um, or shared living spaces, I think it's a problem to be solved. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think for, for the great number of people who, who don't have those living arrangements, this could really be a significant, significant boost to their shopping experience with Amazon. I don't know how much you can say about this, but um, I've done similar stories like this on the pod before with other competitors, and I've seen everything from the drone going down and dropping off the product in, in a box, and then people take it out of the box and then it, it flying away with the box. I've seen it where a, a bit of string mm. comes down mm. and it has the item attached, um, and the QR code seems to be like the, the, the most common way of doing it. Um, so I guess one thing that I always am a little bit concerned about when it comes to drones is that people in the UK, I guess other countries might be a little bit better than, than we are at this sort of thing, but if a bunch of teenagers, if, if I was like, like 15 and I saw one of these drones, I am slingshotting that thing down. I'm, 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 that's mine, right? Yeah. It's a bit like, I guess you could make the argument with like lime scooters and, yeah. and you know, that, that sort of thing. But do you see that being a problem? Because these are expensive bits of kit, I imagine, right? If it's huge, if it's making a lot of noise, if it's got, you know, uh, AR technology to scan stuff, do you think people are going to start stealing these and, and, and <laughs> knocking them out the sky and stuff? Is, is that something that you thought about? Uh, I saw the very early prototype of this drone when the studies were being conducted at my house, right? Yeah. This is, so this is not your average commoditized drone, yeah. this is a serious machine, yeah. which is equipped with a lot of sensors and a lot of flight guiding technology. Uh, I'll just leave it there, to be yeah. honest. But this is a serious bit of kit, uh, yeah. piece of kit, Alfie. This is a serious drone. It's and bit, it, 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 it can be tracked, it can, you know, but yeah. you could, we will it, steal it, they're gonna... It does make a lot of noise, actually, so I, I, <laughs> yeah. I share that concern. Yeah, yeah. It does make a lot of noise, or at least that, that initial prototype did. Yeah. When they were flying it up and down in my garden, I was like, oh my God, this is loud. <laughs> and, and one of my neighbors actually came and rang the bell, asking if everything was okay. Wow. Um, because it, 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 it does sound like a huge machine making a lot of whirring noise. Mm -hmm. like a mini chopper, if you will. But I'm sure this this is about three years ago. Yeah. So I'm sure that they have moved on from then. Okay. Uh, but this is a serious piece of kit. I wouldn't worry about slingshotting it down. Okay. What about, would you give it a go? Would you try and nick one of these? Um, considering where I grew up, there was definitely some dodgy parts. Down. I could see people trying, right? Yeah. I suppose, like, look, I've not, I've only seen, I haven't seen the UK prototype ones. I've only seen the US ones and they were, they were huge. Yeah. So I don't know how, you know, I'm going to go on Nick's first-hand evidence to say this is a serious piece of kit hard to steal will that stop people trying to do stuff i would say no like every per your um example of like the line bikes and all those and the scooters like they get vandalized and destroyed all the time now that's obviously much a much more simple machine um i think people will try i think amazon will probably 
you know, maybe if they have problem areas, like really dense urban areas where they always have issues with this, they'll just say, we're not going to do that and actually we'll stick to delivering to, you know, yeah, the shires, so to say, and, yeah, and yeah. that will be a better model for them yeah. because that's probably their biggest cost center for logistics anyway, mm. um, probably. But, mm. yeah. Okay. Um, next up, we have an interesting one. So, can AI profile pictures get you a job? Um, will this technology replace the need for professional headshot photographers? Sorry, Alex, you're in, you're in trouble, mate. <laughs> um, this picture of me, and we'll show it on the screen, is not real. So I uploaded hundreds of yeah. pictures of myself from every angle. You can tell it's a little bit off, but Some of it, yeah. We, yeah, we, we, we've been making um, these for social media posts. And yeah. within an hour, we can create a month's worth of content. Mm. Um, GPT for the, for the text and um, <coughs> this type of tech for the pictures, right? And a lot of people are saying, They've been using these professional pictures to, you know, make their LinkedIn pages look better or um, their Tinder pages, perhaps, you know, sure. you can use it for a number of reasons, right? Um, hey, what's Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm married myself. So. <laughs> um, but um, a lot of people are saying this is obviously quite an interesting thing because it, it's only going to get better. Like, this is not going to yeah. get worse than what it is. And it's already pretty, pretty fucking good. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there's only one way it can go from here. Um, but can, uh, the topic is, can, I, can AI profile pictures get you a job? But, but really, the, the topic is, um, is this the future of photography, really? Um, what, what, what do you think, James, when you, when you see that, that picture? Um, I think, like, to answer the question, can a AI profile picture get you a job? It, like, broad strokes, yes, I would yeah. say. Because it, it can help. Like, it can help, right? Because I think, like, Having an image that is conducive to the type of work that you do, I think, is important. Um, this is why, kind of, like you know, celebrities and they, they care so much about their brand image, right? Um, and they control that very closely. And if you take that example that you've shown there, that looks like you, yeah. right? Like if, like, had I not, we've met a few times, so I know what you look like, right? And but like, if that's the image that you see, and then I meet you for the first time, I'm not going, oh, that's wildly different from that picture. Sure. And it's a nice picture, looks professional, you look good in that. So it's like. Okay, yeah, no, I'm just being I'll nice. I'll pay you later. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> but like, the, the point is, is that how is that actually really different from what people have been doing for really the last 10 years with Instagram filters and yeah. Snapchat filters? Or, or and Photoshop. Photoshop. It's, yeah. it's no different. It's just automating the process, in my opinion. I think, yes, if you um, use it for nefarious reasons and it's like completely wildly off, yeah, yeah. then okay, that's not a great thing, but people catfish all the time across sure. like the dating app scene, honestly, across LinkedIn anyway. Um, so I think like overall, I think it's just an evolution of touching up photos, which yeah. people have been doing uh, probably since photos ever existed. Mm. I mean, mm. I think, you know, if you go way back, people have been touching up, retouching photos, doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's just the next yeah. evolution. It's just an application of AI and it's a good application. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree with what everything James said. I mean. Yeah. That's why you go to a professional photographer, right? Have the right lighting, have your image taken uh, with the right props, get it done up, professionally edited so you could look good on your LinkedIn profile or whatever other system you're using to, to propagate your image. And yeah. um, I think as James, you rightly said, what this is doing is, is automating that process. Now, is it morally wrong? Probably not, not because Alfie, if you wanted to take that picture, you would wear a suit like that. You would go to a studio somewhere where a professional photographer will take that mugshot and then professionally edit it using something like an Adobe Photoshop or, or image editing tool. And what, what this AI tool is doing is saving you that hassle. Mm. So if I put my customer obsession hat back on, as a customer, I think it's brilliant. It saves me that hassle. 
and imagine the the possibilities the opportunities this opens for people who can't really afford a 100 200 quid photo shoot for for their cvs or their yeah, yeah. job profiles right this this gives them that opportunity which has not been made possible for them so far with mm. conventional methods um and equally i think for professional photographers this is a tool that they should really really put in their toolkit and you could if i were a professional photographer i might just come up with a package 30 quid 20 quid package which is like i'm going to use chen ai you send me i'll take the headache away from you yeah. you send me your images and i will use them and gen ai to give you your portfolio images yeah. Yeah. so that a normal person who's probably not that tech savvy or was not comfortable you know flapping around with gen ai systems still has that human touch point of an expert who can do it on their behalf but at a much reduced cost than has been possible before so, so a, i think there's a win win here it's a co-pilot currently um rather than a replacement <clears throat> for a photographer um i really see this being a probably a free built-in feature to every social media platform when you upload your profile picture it will go hey here's 20 variations yep you know maybe i'm maybe i'm thinking too far ahead there but do do you see that being a possibility where you update your ex profile picture and then and then it's like you know hey what do you want to wear do you want to wear you know suit casual you know do you want to be going snowboarding um do you think that's going to be a possibility where people taking pictures on a like selfies yeah. kind of not goes away but it becomes less about the selfie and more about you take one or two pictures and then boom ai is created it all for you instantly without without having to go to a photographer it's just done in the background do, do, do you see that being a possibility 100% and i can i can talk to this quite deeply because in our zero gravity sign up flow where bearing mind our um our kind of user profiles are young people 18 to 22 yeah. the the biggest blocker in our sign up is the profile picture selection stage if you can believe it that <laughs> yeah. is the, that is the point that people drop off the most because wow. yeah. they spend ages choosing and this is like this is not even like a dating profile or a social, this is a zero gravity profile okay yeah, yeah. so it's like it's it's got a but people spend forever there and what we did was we we didn't do um like ai versions of it but we just allowed you to choose an avatar mm-hmm. and that dramatically dropped the uh, amount of time that people were spending on the page and actually a huge number are used to just pick an avatar just yeah. to get going right yeah. so i think like that's a great feature to yeah. be able to say okay like just put a picture of your face in here and then we'll kind of make it cool and we'll put it in a you know different scenario then i think that would like yeah that would be a great feature for any any product i think so yeah i would say that's that is the the next step what what are your thoughts nick very interesting uh, actually james yeah. that that was your biggest roadblock yeah. <laughs> yeah super interesting um but yeah it makes sense yeah it makes complete sense when i think about it so uh, and well done on solving it in the way you solved it yeah. <laughs> like, honestly well done no again completely agree with james on this um, alfie nothing more to add we can probably move on yeah. you've got it well okay cool cool um last up we have rockstar games who have finally revealed gta 6 after many 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 years 10 years plus after the release of GTA 5 the game's new trailer will be revealed in December so potentially it will already be out before this um, this podcast but um i mean i this is not a gaming podcast but we we talk about um you know major news that happens within that world uh, from time to time and i think this is the biggest development in in gaming like like in in ages right because GTA 5 is the best selling game of all time i, I, yeah. I believe it was the highest 
um, selling entertainment product of all time, I believe. Um, sold like a billion in like you know a day or two. Yep. Um, and even a decade on, if you go to Twitch or Kick or whatever the, the streaming sites are, it's still like the most popular game. Like like you know GTA, Fortnite, whatever. I um, haven't played GTA Five in in probably probably close to 10 years actually, but, <laughs> but it, it, it's one of the, it might even be the last game that I completed. It was, it was, it yeah. was that good. Yeah, I, I played the full thing. And obviously with the online service, they've made hundreds of millions, if not billions from, from the online thing. Um, the online thing is a little bit weird because you can live a complete life on GTA Online. Yeah. Like, and I, I know people who, um, who their, their, their real life sucks. Like they've got, yeah. like, they've got no money, you know, their, their health is failing, they've got no relationships. But in GTA Online, they are rich, they've got a Lambo, they've got a great sure. house. So there is a, a dark side to the, the uh, addictiveness and how great this game actually is. But um, not looking at this through a gaming lens, I guess more from like a tech lens, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on GTA 6? Um, let me start with yourself, Nick. Wait and watch. I think uh, GTA was addictive. I played that, I think, many, many years ago. And I, and I remember, one, I, st I still remember, I must have played GTA for hours at stretch. Yeah. Hours, real, literal hours. I, I didn't have kids back then. It was a fairly easy life. <laughs> and, then I, and then I went for a movie and I realized I was actually driving on the road like I would drive in GTA. <laughs> it, it just bled through yeah, in real life, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that was like a wake-up call. Yeah. I thought, okay, I've got, I have to spend, I have to reduce my number of hours I'm spending yeah. on GTA. Stop shooting people on the street. <laughs> I didn't do that, right? <laughs> yeah. so, uh, that was just me. But no, yeah, I, think, yeah. <laughs> I think from, uh, I'm looking at it from a tech lens. Uh, GTA technology, even back then, the physics, the locomotives engine, yeah. were fairly advanced. They were fairly ahead of the curve back then. Yeah. Um, it, it felt real. And now I think they've patented a new locomotive technology, okay. if I'm not wrong. Okay. Mm. Uh, and so what that brings to the gameplay experience, I would definitely want to watch that. And, and I would love it if they, if they spoke more about the tech they have developed or built to build this amazing game. Yeah. And, and that's where I would be most interested in. I particularly, I would particularly love to know if they used any kind of machine learning or Gen AI in the development of this game. Yeah. And that's where my interests now lie rather than yeah, me too. looking yeah, forward yeah. to playing this game now. <laughs> Probably we'll skip this one. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll play it for the uh, purpose of trying to understand the, the tech really and then probably get lost in a rabbit hole and and then a few months later my, my business has failed but in in gta 6 online i'm a billionaire so that's that's the important <laughs> that's thing that's the right? important thing yeah. well, let's well, let's start planning an intervention now <laughs> <laughs> honestly yeah okay i mean i'm so i'm a massive gamer so okay. I, I play video games all the time still do um it's probably how i on my free time it's yeah. probably how i spend the majority of my free time to be fair but what do you so, think all sorts of stuff I play at the moment my obsession is Counter-Strike but that's because okay. I'm old okay. these days okay. and that was that was uh, the OG game but so like my perspective is like number one and I know you said that you know this is not a game podcast but I think the hype around this is massive yeah. like and it's but it's driven by how commercially successful GTA 5 and GTA Online are I had a look at um, I think Take Two's the, the company their last earning calls the lifetime revenue from GTA Online was $7.7 .7 billion. Wow. That's the lifetime revenue of this product, right? Of a game. Not, not even a game. Yeah. Of, of, it's of, a live a, service. It's like a DLC of a game, basically. Okay. Yeah. So if you, if you look at, at the gaming industry as a whole, right, and, and I know this because I play so many games, um, there has been a, a complete shift in how video games are sold to consumers. Back in the day, 
uh, and when I remember buying big box PC games yeah. or PS1 games when I was a kid, it was you go to the store, you buy the disc, and you play the game, and like that's the product. There was no yeah. patches, there was no service, that's the game. Then they make a new one two years later, and that's the sequel. Now, the model is put out a product, make it a SaaS service, essentially, yeah. sell season passes. Premium, yeah. premium right? Yeah. Sell season passes and, and drip feed content into it over the lifetime. What um, Rockstar and Take-Two found with GTA Online is that per, you know, the, game, the gameplay was so addictive, people loved it so much, that they, they could increase the longevity of the game's lifespan by literally 10 years. The, the only reason why GTA 6 has not come out earlier is because GTA Online has made too much money. It's been too yeah. successful. So, like, and that's why in the past there was, you know, a few years gap between the sequels. You're seeing this with every game now. Yeah. Every every game is coming out with a live service part of its um, business model. They take, you know, they go on forever, years and years, years, decades. We're seeing that really commonly from the biggest titles because, from a commercial perspective, it makes so much money and i'll give a last example there's a there's a um a youtuber i watch who's a former blizzard employee okay and he he worked on the, the world of warcraft blizzard, yes yeah, exactly yeah, right yeah. now owned by microsoft okay. surprisingly yeah. yeah and he worked on their real-time strategy game starcraft 2 okay right and he put it this way with the live service microtransaction model is that they sold a microtransaction collectible in world of warcraft that was 15 dollars, and it was a horse collectible okay okay, okay. that horse collectible in World of Warcraft made more money than the entire StarCraft II game made. Wow. wow. So that just goes to show why, like, so, and he worked on that product for two years. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the clip so you can include it. It's crazy okay, that, okay. that. And that just goes to show why every single entertainment wow. business, every, t uh, you know, every gaming company is pivoted to this model because it makes so much money. Yeah. 7.7 .7 billion. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Do you want to start a gaming company, boys? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, 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 that's it. I think one thing that I'm really looking forward to with with this um, is, firstly, it, it better be it better be good. Like yeah. if if this is is shit, then I'm I'm so disappointed, <laughs> right? I, one thing I'm really looking forward to is with the um, with the NPCs. In games in the past, there's not much there. There's like a few lines of dialogue you talk to them, but now that you have tools like ChatGPT, yeah, what and and and, and like whisper for like voice and everything. What, what's that going to mean with, with the NPCs? Can, can you actually have a full conversation with them and, and, and then the stuff which isn't coded into, into the game, yeah. which, which can happen just based on your responses? And I mean, there's, there's so much that they could do with AI. I feel like GTA 6, if they nail it properly, could be the first ever game which really, really, really uses AI to, sure. to make it pop. And another avenue which I don't think they'll, they'll do right away, but hopefully later on down the line, is I'd love to see a GTA 6 VR, you know, at some point. The tech is, yeah. is nowhere near as powerful yet to, to make it work. On a MetaQuest 3, you ain't, you ain't going to run GTA 6. <laughs> yeah. On a, a Apple Vision Pro, perhaps, maybe. Um, you know, we, we, we're getting there. But um, do, do you see AI and, and VR, kind of the, the last two big hypes, really, do you see those potentially playing a role with, with, with this product? Um, what, what, what do you think? It's a matter of time. Yeah. I, think, I think it's a matter of time. So it's, it's a like, natural yeah, evolution yes, but of maybe later, like maybe, iterating. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think it's not if, it's when mm. for yeah. me. And that will be just dictated a lot by, you know, how the evolution of technology really happens. So for me, the short answer is it's, it's a question of when, not if. Now, NPCs, look, I haven't been into gaming for about 10 odd years. Yeah. I only started playing again a couple of months ago, three months ago. Uh, I'm playing this game called Assassin's Creed. I've always played Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm observing... Which one are you playing? Uh, the, whatever the latest one was. Uh, okay. 
where, where he's now moved on. This is this game is based in Greece. Yeah, um, Odyssey, I think. Odyssey. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the Odyssey they're, they're one. Really so, like, with Assassin's Creed, it's like every like, like six months is a new one or something, right? So, yeah. But even in that gameplay, I'm observing how NPCs have evolved from when I used to remember them, right? The, the, the NPCs are, are actually engaging more with the main characters. And even though they are not a part of the story, but you can go and have a conversation with them. And the NPCs move around, they do stuff in the background that you won't expect them to do. Um, so, so for me, with a, with a sort of a 10-year gap between games, I can see a massive shift. Uh, and I think with, with Gen AI and AI now becoming more mainstream, I would love to see what happens to NPCs in games like GTA. Uh, so yeah, I think for me, it's a question of when, not if. Yeah, okay. What's your take? I think I would agree that the question is, is uh, when, not if. Yeah. I think yeah. already some of the premises um, that AI affords the business world have been experimented with in games. So like if you take the genre of, let's say, roguelite, which is based on the, the game Rogue, which is all about basically a gameplay loop with randomly generated levels. Okay. Um, like Interesting. that's been that, but they've been, you know that that's not machine learning necessarily. They just kind of have a seed and they go, okay, the level changes each time and you get a bit more powerful. Loads of popular uh, games based on that model. I think like could you evolve those algorithms using a powerful um, AI model like 100%? So that's like just going beyond the NPC thing, which I think is a great a great application for that potentially. Like actually building the gameplay loop around that. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's a great um, space game which had a lot of controversy around it called No Man's Sky. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you heard of that. And, and that, like, the, one of the main things in that game was the kind of the randomly generated worlds. Yes, yes. So, yeah. like, that's another great application of yeah. the core gameplay loop itself actually being informed by, by an AI model. So, okay. I think for sure, when not if. Okay, final question before we wrap up. Will GTA 6 sell more than GTA 5? What, what are we predicting? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say probably yes. Just the hype is, is so much, I mean, I'm gonna buy it. I'm probably not gonna play it, but <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna buy it, right? What, what, what do you think, Nick? I think over its life, it'll probably make more money, yes. Yeah, okay, yes. what do you think? It's a, it's a tough one. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I'm not sure. Because you've got to beat number one, like, you know. I'll, t I'll tell you why I'm not sure. So the GTA 5's lifespan as a product went through three console generations. It went from Xbox 360 to Xbox One or PS3 to PS4. Oh, series. Right, yeah. yeah, and then it went from PS4 to PS5 and then also the PC market, okay? Yeah. Because the, life start, the, sorry, the lifespan of consoles has now elongated to yeah. like 10 years plus itself, um, they don't have this potential to remake money, I think, across three console platforms like they did for GTA V. Also, 7.7 .7 billion on a, on, a, on a product is enormous. It's the yeah, highest yeah. grossing entertainment product of all time yeah. by a long way. So to replicate that is not an easy feat. Just because it's GTA 6, they have to hook people back in. There's a lot of competition. They, like Rockstar themselves released Red Dead Redemption 2. They put an online version of that. That sold incredibly well in terms of a disc product, but their live service model for that game didn't even come, I probably, not even 1%. Are they even doing it still? They're not no, even no, they're not updating it? I don't they? think so, or they've just put it on kind of life support. So yeah, yeah. it's not, I don't think this is a, like a dead set that it's gonna make more money, but equally, like the hype is enormous yeah. um, if they nail it again, potentially. But I think they had some like overall market trends that helped them get to that product before, which I don't think they'll see for this game. 
Okay. Yeah. That's a great gaming answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can, I can yeah. tell that you like to game. <laughs> <laughs> He's a serious cool. gamer this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. See thanks you next everyone. week. Bye, bye. Thanks. Hey, thanks for watching this podcast. Make sure that you like, subscribe, follow, comment, etc., etc. And I'll see you in the next episode.